Hello and hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? I am. Oh my goodness! So excited for today's special guest. Today we have Damian Rowley on the show with us. And Damian, today he is a chief commercial officer at Founders Factory, with a mission to build and invest the world's best early stage businesses. He is currently working on projects in sustainability, cryptocurrency, media, entertainment, technology, and super super passionate to share them with the world. He also secretly think that he got the best job in the entire universe. Not only that, Damian is also a serious entrepreneur. In 2008, Damian found Apple, one of the first social advertising platform. When it was acquired in 2016, guess what? It grew to 350 people across 17 market. Oh my goodness! Under his leadership, and ever since then,、uh, Damian has worked as MED and broad advisor, consultant to high growth businesses in creative industry, as well as developing and launching the CBD brand, Good Remedy Deco, and production company Otherly Entertainment. Oh my goodness! I have no idea, Damian, if you can find the time to sleep. With everybody, I am just super, super pumped for today's conversation, and thank you so much, Damian, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Wen. It's really great to be here, and, and thank you for inviting me on. Yes, incredible, Damian. And tell us, how does all the magic begin? <laughs> well, I think、uh, it probably begins. I was the child of two entrepreneurs.、Uh, my mother. Had an in, she was a trained hairdresser in the in the late sixties and early seventies in London.、Uh, she used to cut very famous people's hair, and、uh, and then she when I arrived、uh, in the late seventies, she went freelance and she would often drive around all over、uh, our region cutting people's hair, private clients in their homes, and of course I would have to go along with her as a five-year-old boy. So I would see her working. I would see her, you know, working very hard,、mm-hmm. uh, and that was obviously an inspiration. And then my father,、uh, my dad is an engineer, and he set up his own business. I think in the mid eighties, mid to late eighties, and、uh, when the recession hit in the late eighties, that. Caused the company to fold, but I also remember him setting up his shop, his business,、um, in our dining room of our house,、um, and he and he would. That's where he would be all day long, and I was not allowed to go and interfere with interfere with、uh, his working day. So I always remember, as a small child, being on the other side of the wall, thinking, "Ah, I wonder what's going on in there." Fa- you know, where, whenever you tell a small child that they can't do something, they want to know why they can't do it, and they're immediately curious. And I think that's probably where the initial seed was sown for me. Wow, Damian, what a fascinating story! I have no idea, and I'm curious. <laughs> you know, growing up in a household where you both parents are entrepreneur, how does that shape who you are today? Do you always know you want to be entrepreneur, given the weather influence? Well, I didn't actually know.、Uh, it's only I think when you look back, you can see the path really clearly. But when you're in the, at the start, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just tried to start a lot of different things.、Um, I left school without too many qualifications. I started to work as a chef、um, in 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 various restaurants, and I did that for about four years. 
before realizing that actually that's really hard work. <laughs> and um, uh, and I decided to get a job in an office, um, which is which is the path that I got onto. And the job that I found was in advertising um, in the in the uh, late nineties, and um, and that was a great path for me. It was very social. I had to I engaged with lots of different people, and it allowed me to. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that I found now is that when I'm talking to people in small groups or individually, that's the stuff that I really love doing. And I've got to do that for the first time uh, in, in this job in an office environment. And, and everything kind of flowed from there. But, it, but the, the entrepreneurial track, starting a company, that came because no one would give me the job that I wanted, which was to run everything. So I had to create it for myself. Wow. First of all, what a vision. At the moment, how do you know you want that job yet you have not had before? Mm. And do you always have that vision that you wanted to run? Yeah, I think I was, I, I worked for, uh, in this, in the advertising industry, I worked for uh, about 10 years building a network and learning the, the sort of craft that I was involved in. And it was around the time of the emergence of the internet as a, as a channel to reach people. And, um, and I was fascinated by this. And because I was the, one of the younger people in this business, they said, okay, you're young, you can work this stuff out. Why don't you go and, and learn about it and see what we can do with it? So I think that was the, the first kind of case of building something from scratch mm -hmm. in an established business. And, and that really kind of got me super interested and engaged mm -hmm. with what I was doing. So I did that. And that I then went from a, about a 140-person organization where I was leading digital into a business that was run by two founders, and I was the first hire. And wow. so this is a completely different context. But again, building something that didn't exist before was what I did there. Um, and then I joined a more established business in the advertising agency, um, and uh, and it was that was the jumping off point mm -hmm. to launch my own company when I felt confident that I knew enough to be dangerous mm -hmm. and could leverage that um, in a, in a vehicle of my own. So let's talk about that. Even at the moment, you sounds like you already have some experience. You have a network. You already have you know those you know kind of uh, trash under your belt. But yeah, when you actually start the business on your own completely, with were you? 100% ready, or were you slightly scared? How do you able to move that made up first jump? I was just committed. And I had this idea, um, you know, in 2008, I had this great idea, well, I thought was a great idea, of bringing um, offers into people's phones. So you have to remember back then, mobile as a channel wasn't really a thing, pre-iPhone, no, you know, and, and I, I had this idea for a business. I tried to go and sell that to the CEO of the company I was working for. And I said, this is what I want to do. Why don't you help me do it? He, he, he said, okay, sounds interesting. Uh, and then about four weeks later, he left the company. So, <laughs> and I was at that point committed. I kind of, I left. Um, and I, on my first day being on my own, i.e. not being employed, um, I turned the television on and it was the the news was the collapse of Fannie Mae Freddie, or, or Freddie Mac, the start of the global financial crisis and the closure of Lehman Brothers. And this was the day one of my entrepreneurial life. 
Uh, and the world was, I thought the world was collapsing, the financial world was collapsing around me. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, is this really the best time to be starting a company? But because I've committed it to my, you know, to myself, and this is the path I wanted to pursue, mm-hmm. I stuck at it. And it's a very strange thing to go from being employed with all of the protections and, mm-hmm. and stability that that gives you to then waking up and I would wake up, I would get showered and dressed and have my breakfast and I would walk from my bedroom to my dining room I'd open my laptop and that was my existence for the first six months that I was on my own trying to drum up some business, trying to go and talk to people about this idea um, and, um, and that, was the, that was the starting point really. And talking about strange, you know, such a strange time in the start a business. And I'm curious, what is the biggest surprise to you uh, starting a business in that such a weird timing? That's one. And secondly, what is hardest thing you had overcome in that first business? Mm. So I think what was strange is that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> like, wow. I had absolutely no idea. I tried to be motivated and I tried to be, you know, have a, have a plan. Um, but at the time, I was, you know, I had I had uh, a, an idea of what it was I wanted to build. I had no, I, I didn't know how to go about that, what to do first, second, and third. There was no real infrastructure or support network around entrepreneurialism, around tech startups that there exists today. So I couldn't turn to too many people. I had a close group of advisors and friends that I would uh, socialize my ideas with. Um, but really, the the you know the, the thing was that. This is uncharted territory for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought the best way to launch something from scratch is just to go and talk to people, to talk to the customers that, that I wanted. So I would put time in the, the calendars of these you know, very important individuals that were running big e- e-commerce uh, brands and they would they would hear me out, and I would say to them, "Look, I'm building this thing, and it's mobile, and it's this, and it's that." And they would say, "That's all fascinating, and it sounds like it's going to be a great idea." But I've got more of a problem now with my f- web channel, um, in terms of understanding where my sales come from and understanding the value of all of my different channels. There were a really big problem there, and. I, and this, and I had a number of conversations, and this was the consistent feedback: is that that thing that I was telling them about, not that interesting. Mm-hmm. But because of my background and what I what I knew, there was an immediate problem right in front of me, and so I stopped trying to build this tech company, mm-hmm. uh, this product, and I started to consult with and help them with those specific problems that they had, and that was the start of the business. And we started to to generate. Um, uh, we got customers, and the customers started to pay us. We built a very small, um, te- you know, technical team in order to deliver on some of these projects, and then we got into a relationship uh, with uh, um, a company to to help them build um, a management tool for this emerging world of Facebook. And at the time, Facebook was had under a hundred million users. Um, it was just on desktops, so and mobile wasn't even. A thing at that point, and the advertising platform took a lot of inspiration from the world of paid search, which I knew very, very well, um, and some inspiration from the world of display advertising, which I knew enough to be dangerous. And um, uh, but it was time intensive, 
And uh, because I had just come from a world of building technology for paid search, I thought, ah, oh, that's the answer. I'm going to build you one of these things that I know about. Uh, so I started to do that, and that um, that then grew into the company that became uh, became Glow, and that was the primary product that we developed. It was the first one of the first the world's first bid management tools for Facebook advertising. I think we were the first three companies to get access to the API. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really hit upon a, a, a sort of a, a time where we got a lot of pull from advertisers and from, from clients um, because of this thing that we had developed. And that feeling of when you launch something and there is a market pull rather than you having to push, mm-hmm. it's a great feeling. But it, it, it doesn't stick around too often. Oh, my goodness. What a journey, Damien. And I love that. And I'm curious, was that process as smooth as how you describe? Is your hurdle that you had to go over? What is the biggest mistake or biggest challenge you have to push over on that time? Around that time, again, you know, this was my first time running a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, I think I made so many mistakes. I must've made so many mistakes. I tell you one thing is that, you know, it, it all felt a little bit, um, uh, frivolous until we started to hire people and their livelihood depended on the decisions that we were making, that I was making. And then as soon as other people's lives are affected by the quality of my decisions, then my decisions started to get a little, I took it much more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was try- I was learning as I was going. There was no I, I didn't have to like a, a mentor or a coach to turn to. Um, I think if there's one thing that I would do differently, it, well, if there's two things I would do differently, first find that coach, somebody that's been on the path that I had been and could give me real practical advice. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I would have uh, tried to find small ticket investors mm-hmm. that would create a halo effect around the efforts that I was doing that would just help me a little bit in in, in the direction that I was taking. Because everything at this point, I was trying to work out, work out how to run a company, work out who to sell to and how to sell to them, work out how to de- de- uh, develop product, mm-hmm. all, of, all of the things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that just getting some people around me that knew what they were talking about would have probably uh, been very beneficial in those early stages. It's incredible, Damien. You start with a vision, an idea, and you build to such a large team, 350 people in such a short period of time and become such a success. I'm curious, right? This process is not easy hmm. to build such a beautiful and successful company. Was it easy decision for you to decide to sell and let go? Oh, no. Well, there's a lot of stuff that happened in between starting it, which I've been talking about, and, and then, then the decision to sell. There were six years in between, and the first three years, everything was brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, the market was pulling us into lots of different areas. Uh, we expanded into the US, expanded into Singapore, um, and we started to develop out a cross-platform um, product. So we looked at Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, and Amazon, and uh, worked with some incredible brands, incredible people in the team. Um, and we raised two rounds of venture capital. Um, and then in 2014, and we just closed our Series A. I was living in New York, 
um, and I was very excited about the future, we start, we hit a big speed bump, we had a big obstacle. Um, and a number of different reasons for that. Externally, changing market forces. Internally, I had not run that company in the best way that I could. Mm-hmm. And the resultant was that we had all of these problems that I didn't know about until they were right in front of me mm-hmm. um, that caused us to churn through customers and then to burn through a lot of that recently raised investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, at the time, again, living in New York, I just had a baby, literally. <laughs> my, my son, who is now six and a half, was days old. And I had to then start to commute back to London in order to be with the team and fix the problems that had arisen on my watch. And then, um, you know, went through a very, very difficult and stressful year of trying to keep the team together, the core people that were left after I had made a load of people redundant, um, raise emergency capital from our investors and steer to some form of outcome, you know, once the problems were fixed. What I realized that the, towards the end of 2015, this was all happening, is that the market had continued to move at pace whilst we were, we were try, just treading water and trying to fix the problems, which meant that we, we were not as competitive as we once were. And our best, the best way to deliver uh, some value back to the shareholders was to uh, to sell the company to partner with another business, and that's the that's the decision that we took, and that concluded that partnership uh, concluded uh, in February of 2016, the day after my birthday, and uh, and then it was a different dynamic, and that was the company we put put it together, and that was the company that I helped to run for two years after that, and worked with some fantastic people um, on that business, um, but that was that's the story. It was. You know, it started off well. It was hugely exciting, mm-hmm. but there was a very difficult period in the middle mm-hmm. uh, and at the end, which caused me to really question uh, my confidence and ability, um, which stuck with me for actually a few years afterwards. And it's only relatively recently that I've been able to put that behind me and now focus on the stuff that I'm doing at the moment. But uh, the process of running a business is is hard because it's mm-hmm. so entwined in the company and you know, everything about it. Wow, Damien, and thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable. It's not an easy um, reflection. And I'm curious, in that mix of two, three years of challenging time, is it one day that you feel like, you know, when I don't know if I can show up tomorrow, I don't know if I can get up tomorrow and show up to work. I have no idea if I have a solution. And is mm-hmm. it a moment like that you can recall? And secondly, what pulls you forward in the midst of challenge? Yeah, so so I think the two instances that um, the two instances that I found hardest was firstly when I was commute when I was leaving my wife and son mm. in New York to work to commute back to London, and I was doing that Monday to Friday. Then I'd fly back to New York for the weekend. I'd fly back on Sunday night on Monday morning, um, and and I, when I was here in London. I was working from seven in the morning till about two a.m. at night, uh, and it was hard. It was so hard, and, and I did that for seven weeks. And that period was just mentally and physically exhausting. Plus the fact that I w- felt 
you know, all of these emotions that were going on, you know, of, of uh, the fact that I felt huge amounts of responsibility for what had happened. Um, I also felt that I was not being there for my wife, who, you know, obviously needed me and didn't have a support support network, uh, a real, like, family and so on in, in New York. Um, so that was very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. But my, my wife actually bought me a... Um, a small toiletry bag with a quote on it. I think it's a Winston Churchill quote. And it said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And I would read that quote every morning and every evening. And it would help me to think, okay, I just keep going, keep going, keep going. So that was one. And the other time was the night before I had to go into the office and make about 40 people redundant. And... I, you know, in the run-up to this moment, I was obviously working in London. Uh, I was trying to pull together a rescue financing package from our investors. Um, and then I was trying to make sure that from a, um, both from a legal point of view, we were doing the right thing with, with, with the team. Obviously, in the UK, the employment conditions there are, 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 um, are quite different to the US, but we were make sure we were doing the right thing. And, uh, and then also to do it with humanity. And, make, and I and I had the conversation with each person that was affected directly, and I um, it was quite a an exercise in humility because I had to explain why we were having the conversation, why it was you know it was like breaking up with someone. It's not you, it's me. In this case, it was me, <laughs> and, um, and had that had to deliver that message over and over again over the course of the day. Um, and then get the team together, the ones that were left, and say, this is what's happened, this is what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bear with me. And, um, and so those two things were some of the hardest periods that I've had to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this, like this concept of resilience mm-hmm. is, is, is developed over time, and it's a muscle now that I know that I have, mm-hmm. And um, because I've been through this process and I know what it's like at its absolute worst, everything else is easy. <laughs> you know, like I can have other, like I can go into difficult situations knowing that I've lived through harder ones. And that's really empowering. I really love the quote. If you go through hell, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, Damien, what? What what motivates you? What keep you going? What made you to truly having that, having that vision, knowing there's a light on the other side of the tunnel? At that time, such a mix of challenge, professionally, personally, physically, mentally, all the levels. I'm just, wow. I think what kept me going, largely the support of my wife, um, who was really helpful through this period. Mm-hmm. I think also... This feeling that I had a had a deep responsibility to the people that had believed in me, mm-hmm. you know, the team, the investors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of all of the, the partners and so on. And I wanted to try and salvage some some value, some you know, some signature um, of, of of what had happened, and deliver the best outcome that uh, that I could. And that was the thing that kept me going. Um, and also, I think probably there was this sense of I was so deep in it, I couldn't think of anything else other than just going forward. <laughs>
And Damien, that is the first business you, wow, that's take tremendous effort. So tell us from that moment, you start many, many business since then. It's all easy, it's peasy, or how does the second and third and fourth business compare to the first one? Was it easier? They're very different. So I haven't yet, uh, aside from Founders Factory, which, you know, I'm on the management team and, and, uh, and I feel that this is, um, I feel like a part of an owner here. Um, aside from this place, I haven't really been involved in a, in a business of scale as my last company was. Um, of course, so it, it's, it's quite different. So Good Remedy, the CBD brand, that is a, a project that I run on the side Mm. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm not here at Fanners Factory. Um, and then I've helped other people build their businesses. Mm-hmm. So otherly is, is um, some friends' business, David and Christian, who run that. Um, mm. and, uh, and so I've always helped other people. And I started at Fanners Factory two years ago because I, the things that I loved doing was um, working with in, in, inspiring people. Um, and I don't think I could have found a better place to be than here because I get to spend my time with a bunch of experts in our operating team in Founders Factory who are like domain experts. They know uh, early stage corporate law or they know how to strike partnerships or uh, build product or um, uh, grow uh, customer base and so on. And these people are absolutely fascinating and going from zero to one and one to ten, um, and then I and clearly I, I work with founders and and um, and I love working with people that wake up every morning, ready to run through walls and solve some of the largest problems, and and are comfortable operating in an environment of such huge ambiguity where there's no clear path. That's the stuff that I love because I I, I see that I see some of those values and behaviours in, in myself, um, and then the final part. Of, of that is um, I get to spend my time across such a diverse array of businesses and see the business models, uh, the sectors in which they operate, the interpersonal dynamics of the founder and founding team and, and C-level team and, and wider team. And that kind of stuff I'm learning all the time, every day. It's perfect for me because I've got very short attention span. And so I have a conversation about one thing, conversation about another thing. Uh, and, uh, it keeps me going and it's really, really great. Wow, Damien. It's fascinating to see you have a big smile on your face saying that you wake up in the morning tackling the hard challenges and go through walls. And I was like, what an optimistic perspective of life and a view, which is incredible. And Damien, I'm wondering, you know, today you have done, you know, I feel like you cut up with the founders' um, factories, truly, entirely, you close the entire loop, right? You cut up coming, you know, now you bring back to the circle where you come from in terms of the entrepreneur spirit, helping businesses, helping entrepreneurs truly grow and scale. I'm curious with that, like, what legacy you want to left behind? What What is the world you wanted to build and what do you want to see? What, drive, what truly is your vision? That is a great question. When and <laughs> So when I was in my mid-20s, which is 20 years ago, I w- had the great fortune to work with a fantastic coach uh, or mentor, um, a guy called Mike Pegg, and he asked me to tell him what my picture of perfection was. So he said, imagine yourself at 80 years old what tells you that you've lived a good life? What are you doing? 
Tell me about it. And my picture of success when I'm 18, um, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere, I'm sitting outside in an alfresco sort of dining situation. I've got beautiful views in front of me and I'm, and we're, I'm sharing delicious food with people like close friends and family. Uh, and the friends that I have there are the ones that I have met and built relationships with in business and helped to support them in their endeavors. So I think a life well lived for me is, is that. It's like helping other people succeed, um, becoming friends with them in the, in the process of doing that, uh, that lasts a long time. I love the exercise. Such a great way to think about what success truly means. And imagine yourself 80 years old, 100 years old, whatever the age is. That's so, so truthful and so authentic. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Damien. And today, you know, for the past, you know, six, 10 years, you know, Damien, you truly build a legacy in my perspective for you and everybody around you. I'm curious, Damien, what is your definition of success? And for that, do you think you are successful? My definition of success is when I think it's to do with the lens in which you are held by others. And what I hope is that, so what, what, I, what I'm trying to build is, a, um, is I, I would love to be the first person that gets called up when founders have a difficult challenge or, you know, something's facing them that they, that they need to talk through or, or seek advice on. I would love to be that person that they turn to first when, when things are not going great or when they've got a dilemma in front of them. And, and I think that that for me feels like it's, it's um, you know, it has a, that's a life of, that's a, pur- that's a, uh, a lot of purpose mm-hmm. in that. Um, that's kind of what I think now, you know, maybe at some point I'd like to be a CEO again and, and a start or grow a company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I'm not sure that I fully got that out of my system. I don't think that that's soon. <laughs> my wife would kill me again if I did. <laughs> uh, but I think I do think at some point I've got another one in me, and I'd like to prove to myself mm-hmm. that I can do it and I can build something of significant and of value and, and uh, that's admired by people. Mm-hmm. Um, but am I successful? I, I don't know if I'm successful. I think that I, um, yeah, so I don't know if I'm successful. It's hard for me to gauge. I think clearly, like, I, I'm, I'm pleased with where, what I'm doing at the moment and I feel a huge amount of uh, privilege mm-hmm. for, to be in this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I wouldn't change it. So I must be. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, if you have a magic wand, like go back any period of time, would you change anything at all? That again is a good question. Would I change anything about my experience? I'd probably, I'd use, if I did have a magic wand, I would use it to go back in time and beat myself over the head with it until and, and force me to look at and pay attention to the things that I was avoiding. And I was avoiding conflict and I was avoiding detail and I was avoiding, you know, a bunch of the operational stuff that goes hand in hand with running a company. Because I, I naively thought mm-hmm. I could just be this visionary, big picture guy, mm-hmm. and then the organization would take care of itself. 
Mm. And, and I think that that, that was, I might, I might try and change the way that I thought about that, but I wouldn't change what I went through because, mm. you know, I grew, I think I've grown as a result of that experience in terms of how I think about what's important and how I think about, you know, the, the, like how I coach people and, you know, and, I, and I'm in a position now where I truly love what I do. So, so I'm, yeah, I don't think I would change the path. Incredible. And Damien, tell us a little bit more about detail about what you do today. And if folks, you know, founders are looking for advice, suggestions, what would you tell her about him? Yeah, so I, I work for Founders Factory and, and Founders Factory um, is, well, builds investment vehicles for and with corp, large corporate investors. So companies like L'Oreal, Johnson Johnson and Aviva and so on. Uh, and those operate those um, investment vehicles then build companies and ex- and invest in early stage technology companies. So my role at Founders Factory is to help uh, the founders that come through our programs be get the most value that they can from Founders Factory and from our relationships with corporates. And in so doing, set them on the right trajectory to be incredibly successful and go on and uh, uh, and conquer the world. And uh, and so I get involved in businesses that are don't exist that either exist as ideas uh, in someone's mind, uh, and I also get involved at the pre-seed stage um, when we invest. And I spend my days working with founders, working with founding teams to try and go through that really difficult formation of going from zero to one. And I do that across um, a, a wide variety of different uh, sectors and, um, mm-hmm. and business models. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the past five years, since Founders Factory has been in operation, we have a portfolio of about 200, over 200 companies. Wow. And, uh, and so we do it at quite high volume. Wow. And then with that 200 um, portfolio business, it's most of you have, Damien, you know, building company from zero to one to 10. What are the biggest hurdles that you see entrepreneurs have to go over in that, especially that earlier stage, pre-C or even C stage? And you know, do you have any, do you see any patterns, anything you can share? Yes. I think, you know, it's a it's hard thing that to, to create something out of thin air and determination. Like it's very, 100%. and it requires a, a certain um, archetype of individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely does require a certain personality uh, in order to do it. And, you know, we have a, a huge support group here of uh, about 100 operators that we wrap around each of the businesses that come through, have mm-hmm. very deep domain expertise. But the, the, the being comfortable in a, in a period of high ambiguity is the absolute critical thing mm-hmm. and being able to um, drive momentum when there is no playbook there's no instruction manual mm-hmm. there's no one telling you what is important mm-hmm. um, but remaining decisive in the face of all of that uncertainty I think is is really is really critically uh, important um, and um, and remembering to do it with you know a, an amount of empathy and uh, and optimism because we're in the business of believing in ideas and believing that the hard is possible. So those, those are the things, but, but I think my, I think the, it's probably summed up best, like the best founders at this stage mm-hmm. are the ones that can warp reality in order to convince you that the impossible is possible or that the impossible is 
likely to happen. Those are the ones, the great storytellers, uh, you know, that, those are the ones that lead, that build really great businesses. And what is the biggest mistake at this stage um, a founder, an entrepreneur can make? Lack of momentum is probably the biggest. Getting caught in indecision and spinning their wheels is, is one of the biggest ones. Because it's, you know, what we've got to do is get something out there, learn how people react to it, iterate on it, iterate and iterate. So I think that, that it, you know, when you, when you see somebody just, I don't know what to do, I've got so many different signals, you just got to pick a path go for it and um, and so so that's that's one i think also the interpersonal dynamics at this stage are magnified hugely so understanding your impact on other people um how that comes across what your what it's like when you're at your best and some of the behaviors that come out when you're at your worst i think that that's an important part a lot of the you know when we see teams come into to challenges at this stage, it's because of some of those relationships that the founders have or, or that core team has that then just gets in the way of everything else. Wow, incredible. Thank you so much, uh, Damien, for, sh- for sharing. So back to you, Damien. Um, are you happy today? What inspired you and what is next for you? I'm really happy today. I had a very, I had a great meeting with a founder that's long out of the Founders Factory program. Uh, I made an offer of employment to somebody to join my team to lead a new investment vehicle that we're focused on impact tech and building startups in, in within with a sort of purpose-driven element to them. Um, and so that's given me a lot of energy. So I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Amazing. So what inspired you? What continue to give you joy? My, my outside of work, my son, six and a half, an absolute brilliant human in the making. Uh, he still laughs at my jokes, most of them. <laughs> he, he started to say that I'm embarrassing, so I probably will hear that word more over the coming years. Um, but I spent a lot of time with him. We've just got a little puppy who's seven months old, a seven-month-old Boston Terrier called Scooby. So I spend most of my time walking him and uh, collecting his deposits. <laughs> run off in here uh, and uh, yeah and so those are the things that just time with family uh is, is what gives what recharges my energy and i'm going on holiday on friday so i'm excited about that i haven't been out of this country like most people haven't but i haven't been on holiday for a long time and i think i need to recharge and, and uh, get some downtime it's about time <laughs> Uh, my last question, Damien, is, you know, today, you know, I know you share about advice for entrepreneurs who today are, you know, at um, Fallen Factory. I'm curious for those who are maybe in the midst of six years ago, in the change of building a business, or in the mix of this business problem and personal and professional, all turning together in the challenge of quote-unquote hell that you described earlier, what would you tell her or him to keep going and truly see the light of other side of tunnel? Yeah, you've got to have the support of the people around you when you when you walk this path. It's very lonely. It's very hard. Um, you know, you are some. You know, we are making it up every day, um, and we're trying to maintain an exterior facade of professionalism and level headedness. Mm-hmm. So, but inside, there's a lot of turmoil. So, my uh, the thing that I really lean into and and try and get across to most people that I work with is seek the counsel and support of people that will tell you the difficult messages, that will hold the mirror up 
and force you to confront the things that you're ignoring. Mm -hmm. And I think that trying to find those advisors, those trusted mm -hmm. friends, the people that can give you a perspective that you will listen to, mm -hmm. um, and, and that can come in different guises, different for every individual, mm -hmm. but seek out those voices, mm -hmm. keep them close, and, uh, and, 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 and speak with them regularly. I think that that is a, a really important mm -hmm. thing that I didn't do, mm -hmm. uh, which I should have done. This is so incredible. And Damien, thank you so much for being such a leader and with such a humbleness and you accomplished so many incredible things and yet with such an open mind and truly share your journey, share your insights so it can be a learning lesson to every single one of us. So it's such an inspirational journey and thank you so much for being open and being here today. And thank you everybody for tuning in today. I hope you enjoy as much as I do and I cannot wait to see you all next time. Bye guys. Oh, if not, not when, now is the best time. Bye guys. <laughs>